Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hello, what a wild journey we've been having over this Christmas New Year's break. As we get going with the first week of the year, I have been recovering from the Omicron variant of the COVID virus, and it seems that many of you have also been recovering from the Omicron variant as well. Almost all of my family members got sick over the holidays and are also recovering, but it's at times like this that we really uh, value our yoga practices, that we really see how it helps to build our immune system, how it helps us to bounce back, to have resiliency within our body and our mind, and creates overall greater health, especially when we're feeling sick or low energy or not like ourselves, these practices can really help to bring us back or start to increase our energy, increase our health, maybe more quickly than somebody who doesn't have a practice. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today with my dear friend, Elizabeth Ball. She has her PhD in immunology, and we are going to be talking a lot about the intersect of science and yoga and how they have a harmonious relationship, how they work together. And I know many of you maybe um, have sort of maybe set aside or um, taken a short intermission from your practice over the holiday season and are looking for ways to get back into it, to get back on your mat and to dive into some more yogic studies. And I would really encourage you, if you would like to practice with me this year, to sign up for my Finding Harmony Inner Circle membership. We have weekly Mysore classes that are on Fridays. We have a monthly Yoga Sutra study. We are studying Chapter 2 of the Patanjali Yoga Sutras and going in-depth with each of the verses and um, the philosophy within the Yoga Sutra itself. Uh, in addition to that, we will be having a monthly Pranayama and Chanting class and you can join my private Facebook group and private WhatsApp group where you can have access to me and my attention throughout the week. So if you have questions that come up, it's really the best place to ask. And in addition to that, there's a library of pre-recorded yoga classes, different types of supplementary practices like hip opening, gentle back bending, some introduction to intermediate classes, as well as mantras and meditation and core strengthening classes, all different types of guided yoga practices, fundamentals, um, as well as some workshops that you can view inside the membership portal. So I would love to have um, some of you join my membership. And as a very, very special bonus, you will be receiving um, special Finding Harmony podcast episodes that are only available to inside members. It's only $25 a month or $225 a year, and you will get all of these unique um, podcast episodes as well as all of these other um, classes and everything 
except the Mysore, of course, is recorded and put inside the membership. So even if you are across the world in Australia or in Japan or in Singapore and the Mysore times aren't really working for you, you can still enjoy coming to the conferences and the pranayama classes um, with me. You can catch the recording if you are not available that particular day. So um, you can find all the information at harmonyslater-programs.com. And I would love to see you online. It's going to be a great year. And I'm really excited about the wonderful group of students that I have inside the Inner Circle membership. And if nothing else, I would just sign up for those very special, unique podcasts. They are awesome. So without further ado, let's dive into our interview with Elizabeth Ball. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony, and I'm here with Russell Case. Happy 2022, Harmony. <laughs> Thank you. Happy 2022. Thank you so much. We finally made it. We did. We finally made it. That was a long one. Yeah, this is our first <laughs> 2022 episode. That's right. And we, we have a very special guest on for yeah, 2022, don't we? We do. <laughs> we have Dr. Elizabeth Ball. Hi, Liz. Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for for having me on the the podcast. Very very thrilled to be here. You just go by Liz, is that right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Liz is not only a doctor, a PhD of immuno immunology. Immunology, yes. But she's also an authorized Ashtanga yoga teacher. Oh, you are. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. Actually, so, that was in the question list. Oh, um, well, so I, in her introduction yeah, also. I asked, uh, <laughs> so in 2019, you got your author, 18, you got your authorization. Yes, yeah. So I actually made a note of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and we must have met the year after in 2019 because we met in Lisbon. We did, we did. But I think yeah. I also saw you, I remember seeing you in, in Mysore which I don't know if it yes. was my first trip or second trip, kind of those teachers from afar oh. that you look at and like, oh my gosh, you know, that's harmony. Were, were we both there at that time? I don't remember seeing don't, you, Russell, no. No, okay, maybe 2015 before. or 16, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably then, yeah. I think I was there, yeah, 16, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. with little Jetty on his Aww. last trip in Mysore. Oh, <laughs> so cute. Never so again. Cute. No, <laughs> no, never again, he said. <laughs> Although he might go back. He just only wants to go for like 10 days or something, mm. though. Yeah, it's a long stretch. <laughs> I imagine yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he actually, he said to us the other day, he would go back if he could just have breakfast and then come back. <laughs> yeah. I just, if I could just go for some midli and then I'd come oh, back. Oh, gosh, yeah. I was yeah, like, oh, that's that. nice. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, I'm he sure. misses the breakfast food. Yeah. Oh, I want to come home straight away to watch his television show. Yeah. yeah. Is there nowhere near where you live that you can have South Indian food? Yeah, there are. There yeah. are. And yeah, yeah. that's like Not what he gets usually when we go is the, mm. the dosa and the um, Italy. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. like his... His yeah. Indian meal. If it's mm -hmm. if they don't have dosa, Italy, and he likes the vada too. Mm -hmm. If they, they don't have that, then yeah. he doesn't want Indian. Food. Who doesn't like a fried slice? <laughs> <laughs> so for those for Martha, um, Martha. In, in in Florida, a fried slice is an English delicacy where they 
soak uh, a piece of bread in oil and then fry it. Do you mean fried bread? Like, it's a fried uh, slice, yeah. Okay, okay. So yeah, maybe, have, yeah, uh, we would call it fried bread, but it, yeah, it's a slice of bread. Derby, in Derbyshire, <laughs> they call it a fried bread. <laughs> yeah, All right, well, in bread. Essex, they call it a fried slice. <laughs> so the it's funny nice. thing with England, yeah, is that mm. there's there's so many different ways of saying stuff like across the country. <laughs> Yeah. So there is yeah. 1,500 different ways of expressing fried bread. Yeah. <laughs> I really wouldn't be surprised, you know. Probably my dad would have got fried slice. Because I yeah. was thinking, like, does he mean like a slice of, uh, I don't know, meat pie? You know, I was trying to really think wow. what it was, and then I was realizing it was a slice of bread. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you all know what a cuppa is. A cuppa. A cuppa. A cuppa. A cuppa. Yeah. So let's, yeah. let's that's a, universally English. Let's have a yeah. cup. Yeah, yeah. Nice. But then also, you can have a cup of tea. But you know, most people, some people prefer a mug, which is what I have—a mug yeah. of tea. That is a mug know. of tea. Yeah. 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 Goodness. Me too. It's go big or go home, right? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> well, we should really get down to what you're all about, mm-hmm. where you're actually from, and, mm-hmm. and what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a, a little intro f- uh, for. Uh, Martha, uh, our Swedish listeners, and Valerie Swift, thank you for listening. Um, that's the five of you, then. If you want a special mention, just, you know. E- text us how much you like the show every time. Okay. Yeah. And we'll mention you on the show. Because we we always we always hear from Valerie and Martha. Thank you so much. Uh, and, the, as I said, the Swedish listeners. Um, let's see. Oh, yes, Elizabeth Ball. Undoubtedly. Our guest today. <laughs> yes, I, mean, I think that's obvious. <laughs> Und- Elizabeth Ball, undoubtedly, uh, she says, this is sort of an odd bio. Um, I should have maybe uh, edited this a bit more, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start it over Did again. Did I invent a word in it? Possibly. Mm, it's not Portuguese, as far as I can see. Uh, Elizabeth says, undoubtedly, the world of science and yoga can feel like an untranslatable language. As a yoga teacher, an educator of science, specifically on immunity, Elizabeth's role is in translating the language of science and yoga to enable her students to learn how to listen, communicate, and respond to what their bodies are telling them. She has an academic background in biomedical science from Sheffield and a PhD in immunology. So where are you in in the world today? Are, Are you... Are you in Portugal? Are you Portuguese? <laughs> so I can say now that I am Portuguese because I have citizenship. Oh, oh congratulations. You do have yes. like a Thank thick you. Portuguese Thank you. accent. That's very <laughs> really difficult to understand what you're saying. I think your English accent's yeah. more pronounced right now that mm. you're in England, actually. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But when, what happens when I come to England? is if I speak to people who, who I don't know and I say I, I live in Lisbon, Portugal, they'll say, oh, but your English is really good. And so they'll, they'll, yeah, and mm. it's kind of the worst you know, compliment <laughs> saying that I'm English and I have a good English accent. Yeah. But, but yeah, definitely it becomes thicker when I'm here. You've, yeah. uh, you have lost some grammar, though. I'll give you that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like, wow, yeah, that's grammar. noticeable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, what, do they not use articles in Portugal? Is that what it is? 
No, I think it's just the the, the construction of the sentences. You know? ah, it's just yeah. It's just completely like backwards. And, okay. and it, it first it's happened like a romance it, language like French or Spanish mm, a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So yeah. I remember when I was just texting family members and they just replied back saying Liz, that doesn't make sense. Like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I would also just, you know, not even that long ago, a few months ago, I was here in England and speaking to my sisters and they both just turned to each other and, and laughed and were like, what are you trying to say? And I think I've just lost the ability sometimes to to put the words in the correct order and, you know, we say things differently. here, definitely over here. But the simplest way to say it is, for instance, um... England, you'd say brown bread, white bread, mm-hmm. you know. That, yeah. In Portuguese, you'd have bread brown, bread white, yeah, bread. Yeah, yeah. So everything <laughs> just seems sometimes the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> a brown butter, for example, which is a nice uh, brown butter. But yeah, it's a yeah, a, it's a base for all of your uh, all of the royal the the sauces in France. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. How how do the two of you know each other? You and, we you we and met Harmony. in Mysore. Mm-hmm. We saw each other. I do remember you in Mysore, and then I... in in Portugal, we mm-hmm. we worked together a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, complete yeah. delight. It really yeah. was. It, it was really so was. nice. It was such a beautiful mm. time, and one of the last trips actually, because it was 2019. Oh, so yeah. I planned to go back for 2020, but mm-hmm. that never mm-hmm. manifested. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That year, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. But how did you how did you end up there in Portugal, Liz? So, yes, yeah. So <laughs> it was so I'd finished my uh, my degree at Sheffield, which is a city not too far from from Derby in the in the East Midlands. We call it this area of uh, the country, oh, right. which is where I am now. And yeah. um, and so I'd finished my degree, and I was going. I was back home in in Derby, and I was living with my boyfriend at the time. And I had very much a feeling of like I'm done with textbooks. I just need a break. I really want to just be with people and work a little bit and put into action what I'd learned in my degree. So I was doing some work experience and working in a hospital. Uh, I actually was a receptionist of uh, children's A and E in oh. uh, the local hospital, oh, nice. and also just doing some uh, voluntary work on a palliative care unit and uh, on diff- different wards. Then after about six months, I was not bored, but I just wanted to do something again academically and, and learn and do a master's or, or, or mm. something like this, and also travel abroad and, and do the course abroad. So I was debating that I love Italy, and I kept thinking, you know, maybe I'll go to Italy, maybe I'll you know, travel somewhere in Europe. And the, um, the guy I was seeing was Portuguese. So we'd done a few oh. trips to, and from Lisbon. So we'd done a few <laughs> trips to, to Lisbon. And actually, it was his mother who said that there was this uh, place called Gulbankian that's an inter- that has an international PhD program. And I was pretty much straight away against doing a PhD because in the UK, it's it's quite um, very different to how it was done in the Gulbankian. But you kind of already join somebody else's work and you're just right. a, bit, right. a bit of a slave to whatever his is his question or their question and it's gonna be a him <laughs> yeah i mean mm. no there's, there's yeah. more there's maybe Probably. more male yeah, yeah. And there's that. Um, yeah. 
yeah mm. PIs um so I just thought like ah maybe maybe you know let's let's go and see so on a trip over to Lisbon I went to see the institute um and they just have this one they had a may still have the same style but the program was three months of classes at the beginning of the PhD and so you interacted with the students who were accepted onto the program all the um, the principal investigators the PIs and then you actually had to create your own question you had to create your own phd ah. which is very unique normally yeah. you you there li- literally is like findapphd.com so in the uk <laughs> you just join somebody else's research and then you oh kind of gosh. contribute and yeah so yeah. it was a very very unique program um yeah. and so i thought like okay let's apply and see see how it goes and, and so I got accepted and I, and I got um, a grant for, for four years to do the, the PhD. Um, yeah, so then it was pretty much like, okay, mom and dad, I move into Lisbon. And then it happened <laughs> pretty fast within the space of you know, six months. Um, and then, yeah, that's how I moved over in 2008. So Amazing. 13, yeah, 13 years, 14 years now this year. Did uh, did your parents? Do they have an academic background as well? So they don't. So my mom, um, they're both retired now. Uh, my mom used to work in a bank in England, mm-hmm. and my dad works worked for Rolls Royce. So Rolls Royce, they have um, I don't know if they're headquarters, but they have a very large uh, factory and plant in Derby in Derbyshire. Yeah. So a lot of people in the area worked for Rolls Royce, and he was an engineer. So he helped to build the um, the engines for the mm-hmm. uh, for their uh, airplanes. So oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's still but that's still highly skilled mm-hmm. labor, Definitely. yeah, and not uh, too averse to a, a daughter, you know, interested mm-hmm. in education. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were they're just the most supportive parents. Um, yeah. And previously to moving to Lisbon, I lived. I lived in Sheffield, so I, I lived away from home for university. Mm. Um, but I was always quite a home, a home bird, a home body, however you say it. Home so, bird, yeah. <laughs> home bird, yeah. Yeah, so, I think that's um, how they say that in Portugal. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> so when I moved to university, um, you know, they were just so supportive and, and they could see that since I was younger, I was just really keen to learn like I just I still love learning now I'm, I'm very curious and um and so they supported me to be able to to live in Sheffield and to have that education um and before going to university I did an extra year at school to do what we call an an A-level or an AS yes. which is like half of yeah. the A-level in chemistry yeah. so I had enough credits um to get to onto the course of biomedical science yeah, it's a little bit. It's a little bit different in Great Britain. They don't do it this way in Canada. Though mm-hmm. high school in Canada is only three years, so you might, you might call that um, the beginning of an A level. But I think it's more like junior college, mm-hmm. really, Maybe. in the states. A kind of gap between um, your secondary school and your university. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, in England we call it like six six form. Six form, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. some people get in college, levels. yeah, get your levels. It takes two years, mm-hmm. um, generally, yeah. yeah and from the lot... age of, sorry. Oh, but there's just a lot of drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there can be, you know, I, I think I drank my equivalent in those years in university, <laughs> but I don't really bother about it much anymore. But yeah, there's, there's, 
I remember seeing what the the guy I was seeing at the time, and and when his friends in, he introduced me to his friends in Portugal, mm. and they were saying, "But you're dating an English girl," and I think the the reputation just like preceded <laughs> oh, me, the, and then uh, and then they rough. met me, and yeah, yeah, but then they met me and said like, oh, "Okay, so she's mm-hmm. not she's not that type of girl," yeah, but yeah, <laughs> whatever uh. that means, you know. But there is yeah, um, that that culture, that drinking culture. Oh, yeah. goodness. I, I, I'm I'm sorry, I'm they're forgetting the word, um, but you have like a, a stag party. Uh-huh. But we don't really have the equivalent in North America and it's like a like, we do you a have bachelorette a, party. Yeah, bachelorette. Stag do they call hen, it a hen, hen, hen night. I was gonna say sow do, but it's no. it's a hen night. The female British hen night abroad is a nightmare. <laughs> Yeah. And it's just they're just lay waste to men and bars and it's a, just relentless would... vomiting. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, I don't know if the men are any better though, to be honest. They're not no. at all. No, no. 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 And I remember when when somebody said to me and you know, I, I adore Portugal, you know, it's it's my home. But somebody said once, Yeah, let's let's go to Albufeira, which is in, in the south, which is basically just like an English town in, in Portugal. Mm-hmm. And I just was saying, like, no, please, no. You know, <laughs> I, I've tried to escape that like drinking culture. I don't want to yeah, go yeah, and immerse yeah, yeah. myself in it in this country. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like your parents were nice folks and raised a nice yeah. girl. <laughs> yeah. Nice Thank people. You, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they they are. They're they're incredible. They're very, very yeah. supportive, wonderful. And and Nan and your grandpa were they were also just nice salt of the earth people. <laughs> They're in the Midlands. Yeah. All in the Midlands. So I was asking yeah. this question to my dad the other day. I asked, I said, you know, did you ever want to move anywhere else? And he said, No, you know, pretty happy here. And mm-hmm. I think because where where Derby is, it's it's a small town, and where I'm from is a place called Alistree, which. Probably in the olden days was something to do with all of the trees or something like this. Right. Oh, right. Very, English is very, you know, simple in yeah. that yeah. sense. Um, <laughs> but we're surrounded by beautiful countryside and um, it's it's incredibly you know, beautiful and, and and peaceful. And also, you know, my dad worked um, for for Rolls Royce and there was a lot of work around this around that time. You know, it's also quite an industrial area if you come into Sheffield. Um, I'm currently in um, a little place by Derby called Matlock, which is mm. on the cusp of the the Peak District. Um, yeah. So and it's also Harmony's favorite television. show. <laughs> so my favorite television yeah. show. Yeah. Which, which one is this? There's a there's a TV show about an old detective uh, yeah. lawyer kind of guy uh-huh. named Matlock it's, in it's, the it's, States. It's, it's, it's based it, in Atlanta. His real name is Andy Griffith. But okay. You know, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Harmony is, Obviously, he had English heritage in the I show. I don't think it's the I same Matt Locke at all. Actually, no, he's just old. Yeah, no. and this is with one T, not two, like Matt. No, it's Matt Locke. Oh, yeah, yeah. Matt Locke, yeah. And this Matt Locke Bath, which is yeah, next door. Oh. Matt Locke Bath. Bath. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Bath. Yeah, that's from the south. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. 
Wow. And so had you had you begun practicing yoga already when you moved to Portugal or did you I had I had. Mm-hmm. So the yeah, I, one of the questions was so was the book that I found in the library. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know which one it was, you know, I should you try don't. to go I don't. I should try to go back to the library and find it because I can still picture the aisle that it was on. But it definitely wasn't anything from a teacher that I've passed or read about since since then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in my teens, so I was six, 16 around the time, um, and I was very anxious um, in school. I, you know, I was very studious and wanted to do well, and, and getting quite anxious and stressed with revising and for the exams, etc. Even to the point, sometimes my mom would try to calm me down and say, you know, "Have a little wine, try to relax, so that <laughs> oh I can sleep." That's good advice. Because, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because they could just see me getting so worked up for um, for the next day, and mm. and so I don't know how I, you know, came about thinking, "Yeah, I'm going to try yoga." But um, I really love to read, and I think I was just in the library one day and found this book uh, with a yellow cover and just a very simple sequence you know each each page was pretty much like the lion pose and you know pigeon and it was it was like set out like this mm-hmm. so I remember just getting like you know getting the book out on loan as you did yeah. in that day and just, <laughs> and just re like loaning the book and literally saying to my parents I'm closing the the, the back door the back room as we say the front of the house or the back of the house I'm closing yeah. I'm sitting in the back room mm-hmm. and I'm going to do my practice and I would get up in the morning, you know, change into my yoga clothes, close the door, and just work myself through the book. Yeah. So, wow. So I don't know if it was something from, you know, a previous lifetime that this had come about and and I, you know, started it again. But it was something that I did all through school and, and through university. And then at university, I went to some yoga classes by my university. But there was kind of, yeah, like a, you know, it was those really traditional English, like church hall yoga classes that you go to, and right. a lot of, you know, elderly ladies. And, you know, so, I was going to say very all nice. ladies in yeah. tights. Very nice ladies yeah. in those churches. Hall. Totally, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I remember the, yoga, the teacher just saw that I was so uh, so keen and asked me once to teach one of the classes. And, and yeah, and, and so <laughs> yeah. I, I, it may have been Hatha that I was doing, but uh, again, it was kind of you come and you just do like whatever she tells you to do. And um, right. And then my mom at the time was working for the bank in the University of, of Derby, and they have these book sales, etc. And she was just bringing me home books on yoga that I was oh, just wow. reading and and I think some of them, one was The Power of Yoga, and I can't think what the name of the lady is now, like a blue book. Um, That's Beryl Birch. Okay. Power Yoga. Yeah, yeah. Power Yoga then, yeah. 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 Definitely an American lady, I think. Yeah, yeah it's a blue Birch. book, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm very more visual sometimes than... And she yeah. talks about Ashtanga in it. Too. She does, she does. So this was mm-hmm. the first introduction that I'd had to Ashtanga. Amazing. So, yeah. And I remember thinking like, okay, yeah, maybe I'm ready for power yoga, you know, but still, <laughs> still just doing it by myself through the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my Which mom is also, basically the primary series in that book. I actually. think it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And reading a little bit about, a bit about it. Um, and so after university, I moved back to my hometown and there was this Derby dance center that ran then an Ashtanga yoga class on a Tuesday evening. So I thought, like, okay, maybe this can be my first chance to go to an Ashtanga class. Mm. Um, and I went, and it was um, 
lead um, lead standing Mysore sitting. You know? Oh so wow! It, it, it yeah. was definitely a studio, you know, wow. um, style yeah. of class. Yeah. But the teacher was um, again could see that I was very keen and. And we got the sheet, so you had your sheet next to your mat, and with the little John Scott pictures. Could have been, could have been, yeah, John Scott from at the time. Penzance, the hand yeah. Maybe, yeah. I think it could have yeah. been this one, but Here's it was very a little... much a class of sorry of um, whatever you couldn't do, you just you know you 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 skipped over it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> skip it. Yeah, yeah. So... Manchu would advise to do the same for those of you at home. <laughs> <laughs> And so I just, you know, was just like, great, I have this paper, I'm going to do this. And I, and I did the same thing. Every morning I got up, you know, I had my sheet, did my own personal practice and would see her once a week on a, on a Tuesday. And, and that's what I did for probably almost a year. And then when I was preparing to, to move to Lisbon, uh, I have two sisters, two older sisters um, who are really, really supportive and really great people. And one of them uh, found then Kazabinyasa, the Stanga Yerusha oh, yeah. in Lisbon, nice. and said to me, because she was trying to help me integrate and do the things that I really love, you know, within Lisbon. Yeah. Um, and then the teacher who was teaching me in Derby told me, find a traditional shala and go to Mysore classes. And that was the first time I'd heard of like Mysore style type mm. of So I was like, okay, you know, let's, let's try this. I feel I'm ready. And... And then I remember, I, I think I moved at the end of July and I went once in August, but Isa and her then partner at the time, Tarek, was in India. So I, right. was, I did like Oof. an evening class with the teacher at the time. And that was in 2008. <clears throat> so this was in 2008, yeah. Yes, okay. And then I started my PhD program in these three months of classes from September. Um, yeah. And they were pretty much like nine to five intense school type of classes. Um, which I absolutely loved because we were a group of 10 students who were, who are maybe still uh, physicists, computer scientists, biologists, uh, wow. geneticists. Oh, and it was group. the first time. Yeah, really mm. good group. Very, <laughs> amazing. very amazing people. And it was the first time, because in university, I was basically just given books and told to like learn this, you know. biomedical science is a bit like the first two years of medicine so you learn the theory but then you Mm -hmm. never learn how to apply it to to patients or to right to to diagnose in that sense so it was the first time i was in a setting where you you questioned what somebody was telling you so i remember Mm -hmm. then the the pi the principal investigator giving a lecture about what was his research and someone behind me saying, well, why are you doing it this way? You know, why, why do you think it's that? And I remember just being a little bit shocked, like, oh, how dare you ask somebody yeah. why they do this? Mortified. Because, yeah, yeah, because in English, you know, in England, there's the hierarchy in the universities. Yeah. Everybody is sir or, or you know, madam. Yeah. And they were calling the PIs by their first names. You know, they were oh. just chatting about science. <laughs> and And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is incredible and also very overwhelming you know? <laughs> and I even remember the first few times I, w- I started speaking in my then probably thick British accent and um, <laughs> people were saying like Liz we don't understand you like <laughs> please, oh, you know, so that's when I think I, I, I had to then slow down and yeah. give a lot of pause between the words and change a little bit and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but it was just an incredible time those three months and I think all of us 
you know, look back on in it, it look back on it as a very formative period as well for the mm-hmm. PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then after I'd done the three months, you then developed your, your question and, and I'd found my lab and my boss, uh, Carl Busch. And then I um, began kind of the the work of the PhD and, and going into the lab and and, and I was learning through um, a PhD student. And I realized then that Portugal, you know, their times of coming into the lab you know, are different. It's kind of half 10, 11. <laughs> And then I remember thinking, and my boss said to me, look, I don't, I don't really mind when you come in. You don't have to be here nine to five. You just have to do the work. Right. So you have to find what works best for you. I won't do your work for you. Mm-hmm. So it was very clear that, you know, as a PhD, you, you know, you're independent. You have to create what, what works for you. So my thought was like, oh, maybe then I can go to like my self, my self classes in the morning, then come to do my PhD. And so that's pretty much what I started doing from, I think, February 2009. Amazing. So so that would began my, my routine. So I would think I would go like three times a week um, into the city in Lisbon and then drive back out to to Awadish, which is where the research institute was. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, so then it became like, <laughs> I think I wrote something the other day saying, kind of like a failed superwoman style, style of life because it was like by morning, you know, in Ishtangi, you know, by day, this, you know, PhD yeah. student. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, but at the same time, you know, incredibly challenging, but so, so, so exciting, you know, yeah. so exciting. Yeah. We watch uh, a lot of these superhero shows with our son and, and it's, we always sort of, mystified because it's, he goes to co- you know so S- spider-man goes to college and then he, he's got a girlfriend and, he, and he's he up works. all night he, well he, he's also he's a photographer for the daily bugle right and then and then like in between the hours of like 11 and 4 he fights crime he fights crime no. it's like i he's not getting enough sleep no and not at all not at all no, no. but you don't yeah. you don't as a PhD student you know you really or as don't. an ashtanga yoga teacher or is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> neither that you're Imagine. a failed superhero. That's what you are. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm a failed and superhero. Night, <laughs> yeah. And by night, I was this 23, 24-year-old house housewife, essentially, you know, with right. my partner yeah. in our home. So it was also oh. this Goodness. Yeah. Trilo- wow. yeah, trilogy of do, things that I was trying to do. Do you have children? No, no, no. I don't. No, just a house servant. Okay. <laughs> house servant. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. What did she? A house elf. A house no, elf. No, no, no she said housewife. housewife. I know. Elf on the shelf is what she was. Okay. But I, I, I kind of like house elf better. I, I, wanted, yeah, to, I wanted to ask you a, a couple of kind of stupid <laughs> questions just to see if Please. I can get a, an interesting and provocative answer. Okay. Um, Try my so best. you're you're you've, you're an immunologist, and I just wanted to ask, um, what is it? What is what is mm-hmm. immunity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what it, does that mean? What does it mean? <laughs> yeah. So Im, so immunity in immunology. So immunology is the study of the immune system. So within the immune system, you have to put it like simply two two parts of the immune system. So you have the innate the immune immune system which is Mm -hmm. basically what you're born with and it's you know passed down from your your parents um you know genetic mutations modifications anything that you may have inherited like this like being immune to sincerity (laughs) 
like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, people then can, yeah, use immune for many, many things. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. Yeah, go on. Yeah. yeah, but in a scientific, simplified way, um, then you have what you call your adaptive immune system. And that's basically the, the environment that you're, you're, you've grown up in or the environment mm. that you live in. So mm-hmm. if you think of it a little bit like nature versus nurture, yeah, mm-hmm. you can you can not for, but you can, it's it versus, but it also should be interlinked as well. Um, so so like like I'm deathly allergic to horses, and would that be allergic. like something that's innate? Innate. It depends when it started. So if you if you since, you grew up since, and you already had allergies and. Because within it started when I was very young. <laughs> yeah, so it could have been certain something that yeah. Well, you, you weren't were... around horses when you were born. No, I wasn't. But as soon as you were, they realized they would fucking kill you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is a shame, but, you know, because they're they're wonderful. But my father was also allergic to horses, but he outgrew that allergy. So well, there would you it are. be like yeah. an innate thing then? Do you think or so? It can be. It can mm-hmm. be. But also linked with immunity very closely is inflammation. So ah. auto, autoimmune diseases oh, I have is lots of highly those. linked yeah, to inflammation. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people are born with autoimmune conditions. Yes. And ah. there's a wonderful doctor in the, in the U.S. actually, um, Dr. Nadine Burke. Burke Harris. Yeah. Dr. Nadine Who, Burke Harris. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic book. The, the, uh, the Deepest Well is her book. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So she... Yeah was is describing what she thinks she got aces which are adverse childhood mm. events experiences or experiences yeah. and so what she says is is it can be you know traumatic episodes that happen in childhood anything that your body becomes maybe stressed or uh, mm. hyperactive to um it's not you know just you know, what you would imagine would be you know, trauma, abuse, and those things, but something that actually makes your immune system become heightened. Mm-hmm. So what happens is from an early age, this could have happened in, in your parents and your grandparents and you know, their grandparents, and this can be passed down through the generations. So when it comes to you, you may have a slight mutation or a slight something in your, in your, in your immune system that then causes these inf- this inflammation that starts from birth. And yeah. the inflammation yeah. then causes like a a reaction inside your body that that your immune system then starts to kind of either fight itself if it's an autoimmune disorder mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. if it's an actual like virus or mm-hmm. you know yeah. infection then it fights that thing exactly. So the thing with immunity and this is why I love it so much compared to yoga. It's not something that, yeah, compared with, you know, it's not something that ever works on its own. You know, Uh it's very hard to say, you know, immunity is when you have gained, you're immune to something, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So it's very hard to then say, okay, because I have this, then I have that. You know, immunity, I say often, the immune system works like a cascading effect. So it's very much linked with um, inflammation. And one mm. of the parts is, is that you, you need a level of reactivity in your body. You know, you need to be able to respond to what's going on around you to understand if it's a threat and therefore your body has <clears throat> to mount its immune response. And then you get all these brilliant signaling pathways that then cause the reaction of your immune cells, white cells as they're, as they're called. 
Um, and so that in itself is kind of a, a level of inflammation. But what mm -hmm. happens in kind of autoimmune conditions or, or inflammatory conditions is your body can't switch that response off. So mm -hmm. you stay in that state. Mm -hmm. And so your body is, is brilliant in wanting to always seek balance. So if you imagine your body is always kind of surveilling where you are. And so as soon as you kind of mount a response, and if it's something that you have to respond to, often we call this kind of foreign bodies, It's something that is not you. It's not something that you, you, know, you want in yourself. So you try to respond and act against it. You know, get it out, kill it, you know, digest it, you know, metabolize it out. Mm -hmm. Or you understand actually that's not a threat to my survival. And then you signal something else to, to come up in your body, which we call anti-inflammatory responses. And then you kind of dampen down your inflammatory response, which in turn dampens down your immune response, and you go back to this wonderful resting state. Right. When I was working with, uh, with school teachers and teaching mm. them uh, about how to manage their stress, we mm. we'd often bring up the work of, of Dr. Nadine Burkharis. Mm. And what we would tell them is like, you, you know, everyone here knows that there are people here at the school who manage stress better or worse than other mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that the management of that stress is is what we're trying to do is bring up the education level of, of how to manage it mm -hmm. so that we can all, you know, help each other and be better at it. Mm -hmm. Because for one, so many of us here at the school have different ex uh, childhood experiences that inform our immune system. Mm -hmm. So um, when she would talk about those ACEs, she would talk about a score for different experiences. Yeah, so for exactly. example, if you'd been divorced, mm -hmm. you get a point on a, on a 10 point scale. Yeah. And so exactly. well, that's half the population mm -hmm. right there gets a point. And then if, if you've experienced, you know, a, a shooting or uh, drugs in the home or a parent mm -hmm. have been arrested, the points go up and up, mm -hmm. but then so do, so does, um, uh, I'm going to, This is, I might struggle a bit on this. So okay, you say it and I can hopefully try to translate it a little bit. So I, I, th hope I think, so. I, think I know where you're going, but please. So, please so you get like four, five, six on the mm -hmm. scale, and now, and now you're exponentially getting worse at mm -hmm. managing stress. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and then your immune system is, is, is overcompensating all the time yeah. and then you're drastically reducing your lifespan yeah because yeah. your immune system is so taxed is mm -hmm. that a, is that about right it is it is i mean so i think she was saying something like four or more and then you know yeah. can cause immune disease five or more you know doubles the chance of this or doubles right. the chance of having a particular type of behavior later on in life you know addiction yeah. or something like this exactly yeah. um so and i think one of the questions you had russell is maybe i can bring this in now is you know do you need stress in your life you know, right. do you need a, a level of kind of activation and i would say yes but stress in itself can can just be linked to so many things so childhood events and and the things you listed are horrific and definitely that work in terms of how that affects the immune system of a child growing up 
um, mm-hmm. you know, isn't isn't my area of, of expertise. But what I would say is, um, if you look in the sense of um, disease or the conditions of your your immune system being able to respond later in life, so that you're you're healthy and you have a reaction, mm-hmm. it's also is important that you then get exposed to certain environments that kind of teaches your immune system how to work. Right. So stress or trauma in itself, I would kind of put to one side because I don't feel I have enough knowledge to, to speak on that in terms of childhood um, effects. But what I would say is the amount of stress that, or how the body copes with stress is you have what's called the HPV access. Oh. So yeah, the hypothalamus, pituitary gland, adrenal cortex. Mm-hmm. So this is why it's you know incredible with yoga because it's basically uh, this. Axis. I thought you meant the venereal disease, and I thought, <laughs> no! oh, yeah, we've all we've all got that. Yeah. So okay, that's good. No, no. So um, so this is like um, oh no, HPA, 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 actually, sorry, HPA. Oh, 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 right. Yeah. Well, I can understand sorry. why it's on your mind, though. <laughs> So HPX is sorry. So I was wondering then why I said it. Um, so in that, so in that a sense, vaccine, by the way. But on. <laughs> so in that sense, you, um, you yes, you, this is what causes then the the cortisol to be released from the adrenal glands, which are positioned kind of on top of the kidneys. Yeah, so, little pillows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Little cushions. So in that sense, when you have uh, when you're stressed. Um, Sometimes what the, bod- the body can't distinguish whether that's a stress that I have to respond to, you know, a, a survival threat or a stress of the stress of an exam, you know, a stress that your, your parents are divorcing, you know, mm-hmm. stress, you know, something to do with work. So what we, you try to do then is help yourself to deal, deal with that so that you, you dampen down the amount of cortisol that's being released for a prolonged period of time. Mm-hmm. So as I was saying before, in the body you have pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. So you have this ability to react. But then what's important is the body itself then brings up kind of this other anti-inflammatory to balance it back down. Right. And what happens is if you have kind of daily or in the home, you know, constant threats to this sense of survival – your HPA axis is then, you know, just constantly kind of fired. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is you just have this, your your base level of stress just becomes like tenfold or a right. hundredfold. So then any environmental stress that comes in, you, you triggers this, you know, straight away. Right. Yeah. And, you, and you're, you're less able to bring it back down. So what's... Yeah, if that if that makes sense. That's that's interesting because that's what I would I would try to to tell the teachers is that um, what you're what, what what's an interesting link to cortisol is uh, oxytocin, mm-hmm. and so oxytocin is that thing that you've you that hormone that I I, I I as I understand is very much linked to cortisol levels. When cortisol levels are high, mm-hmm. maybe oxytocin is low. When oxytocin is high, then it drops the cortisol down. And oxytocin is that that love hormone. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I would encourage teachers to do those things that would give and bring more love into their mm-hmm. life, make them mm-hmm. feel loving. Mm-hmm. You know, looking at sunsets, listening mm-hmm. to music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
doing a spot of yoga, mm-hmm, deep mm-hmm. breathing, all petting their dog, petting their dog yeah. <laughs> you know, find, find that time because it would, it's putting years on your life. Totally, it's extending totally. your lifespan totally. when and if you, you see do what, that. Yeah. And if you see what you said, Russell, all those things are the senses, listening, mm-hmm. touching, potentially smelling, if you're mm-hmm. in the countryside, sight, you're looking at a sunset. Mm-hmm. So what I hypothesize in the work that I'm doing now is is bridging, you know, your innate response, if you think of this as kind of your instinctive response, yeah. to the adaptive response, which is your environment. So even That's the way what you meant by the gap yeah. by bridging the gap. Yeah. I see. Yeah. So you have this within your body, you know, you have your innate immune system, you mm-hmm. have your adaptive immune system. But you also have your own natural instincts, you know, and you also have the environment that you're or whatever that you're doing yourself in that current moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if one can help soothe or strengthen or support the other, this is health. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. your body working, you know, to support itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many incredible um, people working to do with this in the sense of uh, psychology and uh, you can also draw in from this the sound when we chant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can parallel this to lullabies, you know, when you sing your children to mm-hmm. sleep. All of these things soothe the senses and your immune yeah. system 100% responds to this. Right. And so then your ability to just kind of melt in those moments literally mm-hmm. kind of draws your immune system down so it becomes softened you go back to kind of a basal level of, of balance um, a basal level interesting basal basal b-a-s-a-l so oh, that's, yeah. i've never heard that word before it's amazing so, so basal, basal <laughs> basal not as in basil that's how basil, the basal level I was like, yeah, I should. Yeah. I should order Italian tonight. It's good for my so, yeah, that's, that's in English, yeah. Basil. Mm. So basil is equilibrium, you know, optimal ah. conditions, you know. That's 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 where your body likes to be, you know. And that's kind of the being state that we all feel like lovely and warm and, and you know, that's the state that your body, we hope, we're trying to live in. Um, yeah. But you're, you're also... Underneath this is there's always surveillance, you know. This is always going on, um, and the way that I have described the immune system before in the past is, if you think of your immune cells as being soldiers, you know, mm-hmm. you have you have you know levels of colonels, officers, whatever, you know, but they have to train. You have to put them right. under so many conditions so they actually know how to work. So yeah. I would say rather than thinking that I need to be in stressful situations, <laughs> think of yourself as putting them in conditions where you prime your immune system. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did for my, for my PhD. Fantastic. So I was working under the model of malaria. So I was working with cerebral malaria. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to understand why a particular um, population of, of children in Africa developed cerebral malaria. And so I was working to try to to understand was it something linked to what was going on in the brain with uh, a type of white blood cell called the T cell. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also kind of kept in a reservoir within the spleen in the body. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> And so you basically have your innate immune 
cells you know you have your your the t cells that would come from a particular person but then you would also then have your environment of living within africa what was going on you know what you were exposed to and so i developed this system where i would prime the t cells you know mm. so i would give them a kind of condition that was challenging so they had to work and then i would put them back into the model and and Unfortunately, you know, give them malaria, and then mm, and then see yeah. see you know when not, a, not the children though. Well, no, when I was a, that's what I was when I was a youth, I went through Africa giving children diseases myself, and I was I was like, oh yeah, I was hearkening back to those days. No, 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 no. humans no. were endangered in this experimentation. <laughs> So yes. no, so I was working with an animal model, unfortunately. So, yeah. but um, that is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah unfortunate. <laughs> so I was trying to be, um, you know, politi- politically, dif- uh, you know, however word you say it, to to not say directly a model, but, um, <laughs> but we would use. Yeah, we won't mention which animals were yeah. harmed yeah. in this experiment. <laughs> yeah, maybe there should be a you know a warning before you listen. <laughs> but, but that's why I say I was living these, you know. Complete opposite lives right. during, during the PhD. Yeah. So, um, so then what, what we were trying to do then is understand if you have, ex- and the exposure was not malaria, the exposure was not a previous infection. Right. So um, then how do your immune cells respond? And we found that they respond, responded in a way that protected the, the, the model from then getting cerebral malaria. Interesting. So, yeah. So you may hear this word now, and I remember hearing it a few times in 2020 when I was, you know, drawing up my hypotheses of you know the the work with yoga, etc. Priming, you know, you know, started popping up, and in in mm. it's it's an incredible thing that your body, you know, it, it wants to kind of be challenged a little bit. You know, you want to to put yourself in in what I think positions, challenging poses, you know, mm-hmm. so your body is yeah. having to really kind of learn, this is really tough, you know, but how can I use my ability? How can I use what I innately have mm. to help me respond to this particular environment, setting, yeah. workplace, you know, relationship, etc. Yeah, having children is exactly the same way. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit of stress that you don't need. And it's like, I'm going to add this on just to challenge myself a little. And then I'm going to get a fucking puppy as well. And then just compound the problem. And then it's like, it's good stress. Yeah, yeah we're yeah. not sleeping. No. But it's really good for us to... Yeah. And then, and to, then prime you have, our, to prime our immune system. system. And then you have to do all of the as work. As you sell puppies. Prime yeah. immune system. Buy a puppy. Yeah. And then you have to do all the work to bring yourself back down to a basal <laughs> level. You got uh, it. Yeah. I, mm. I was thinking about this. I was... I wanted to say this all the time when I was in when I was in public, and I never had the courage oh dear. to Go say it. it in with in front of the teachers. <laughs> but with you people, um, me is in or me in harmony, and all the rest of you at home. And I would think what you want to do is like you have a job that's extraordinarily stressful during mm. the day, and then you need to find a way to get yourself to this basal level, basal level, bring mm. yourself back down, not just work all night not just look at your phone and answer emails all night and then be awake at night in bed with your Mm -hmm. phone Mm -hmm. you know trying to solve problems you want to work yourself you want to get yourself back to a loving 
you know, oxytocin full space mm-hmm. so that you can, you can come back down. Mm-hmm. And I would say, I would, I would say that you would, you want to bring yourself to the place where you're ready for lovemaking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. you want to, can you get yourself to that place that you're emotionally ready for that experience, physically ready? You know, you set the mood mm-hmm. and now, you, you know, you can either, you know, make love, but you should go to sleep. Uh-huh. You know, that's what you should yeah. be doing is bring yourself back down to that place. Mm-hmm. Don't I mean, make yourself have sex if, you, if you're wondering at home. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I mean, in the middle of this, and it's a really good thing that you've just reminded me of, is this isn't related to what it might sound like it's related to. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There's so many, you know, in England, bad innuendos. But, <laughs> but you need to discharge. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you can stop no. there. I totally get your meaning, madam. Hundred no, percent understand you. That's fine. No, but you need to discharge this stress from the body yeah. first, mm. right? Yeah, because what yeah, happens yeah. is, so I, I, um, I was teaching a number of healthcare professionals, which last year became really important and something that I wanted to integrate into my work, and I teach a number of doctors as well. And I was asking them, you know, what's the hardest part about you trying to start yoga or trying to have a, a practice like this? And they would say is it, it's because, you know, they come home just wired. They're just yeah. like yeah, buzzing. Right. And the yeah. thing is, there's then this like, there's no, there's no space in between to get into that state of being able to then do yoga. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So what's important is this, you know, this discharge of energy needs mm-hmm. to be done in a very gradual way. Mm-hmm. And I remember learning this and, and reading about this from Peter Levine, uh, the mm. PhD from his incredible yeah. work on um, you know, somatic experiences, somatic healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's exactly the same as when you've had a stressful experience. Right. You know, you're, you're charged, you're shaking. You know, this, is, this is a stress response. Mm-hmm. But how can you internalize, <clears throat> excuse me, internalize this to be in that response to kind of draw it back into your body, sit with how you feel, and then move from that place through it. <clears throat> but that's what in Robert S- Sapolsky said, right? In his book, Why Don't Zebras Get Ulcers? Potentially, sh- yeah, I haven't read it. They shake it off. <laughs> After they get attacked. Like Taylor Swift. They do the Taylor yeah, Swift totally. song. They totally. shake it off. And yeah. so doing that, they do this with a lot of traumatized children yeah. in uh, in schools, especially the okay. uh, Art of Yoga Project in California. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have the, the girls that are incarcerated, they have them do de-escalation mm-hmm. exercises where they actually literally shake okay. stress out of their body. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. This is, and this is why sometimes people say, oh, yoga is not for me. Because, yeah, because, and and that's why I think when you were also asking me a question of, when I said I'm inspired by Krishnamacharya, it's because you, for me, you need to look at who it is in front of you that is saying, I would like to do yoga, but I don't know why it's not working for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's that, yeah, yeah, it's then going with them at a personal level and and trying to, to understand how can I help you in the best way so that yoga is can work for you or you know where are you mm-hmm. coming from you know, what's going on at the moment with your health where you are um because they you know they might not be able to just you know drop in to do you know some numbers got a like that impossible totally. yeah actually yeah i was yeah. thinking actually about the the culture for teachers that most people may not know is that mm-hmm. they binge drink on the weekend <laughs> 
No, it's true. Please, no. <laughs> um, high, uh, sixth form teachers, uh, high school teachers, elementary school teachers, they really, they, they need something. And what they've intuitively do is they go and they binge drink and party on the weekend and get really wild to get, because they, they don't have skills yes. for yoga and they don't know how mm-hmm. to go to a yoga class because they're too mm-hmm. wired. For a mm-hmm. yoga class. Yeah. And this for me is you, you can parallel this to I remember Sharad saying once, you know, you're not you're never going to I can't remember exactly what he said, but you're not just gonna hike, you know, um Kilimanjaro, you're not just gonna hike Everest. You right. have to take it in baby steps. You have to mm-hmm. kind of work through the series. You have to work through it in a pace that is individual to you. Right. And that in itself is is basically discharging this energy in a very, very gradual way. Mm-hmm. You discharge it through the breath. You discharge it in, in your drishti and, you know, in drawing awareness to your bandhas, you know. All these things, I was just realizing, isn't this what we do in Ishtanga, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that's basically what I'm what I'm working on and, and, and drawing up the, the theories of. But, yeah, in order to get this, um, to, to help someone or to draw them to yoga, it's also looking at, yeah, habits and, and health and lifestyle and, um, and and we use so many things nowadays to, to numb because yes. you, you don't know how to discharge exactly or people you know need a way of like you know going to box or they you know yes. do something just to like get it out you know yeah. some so, physical yeah. somatic yeah. experience I was gonna yeah. say that you know like with the heightened you know having that inflammation or that heightened immune response or that mm. mind that's so busy I mean it all kind of mm. goes together right when mm-hmm. you're in a space of chronic stress and you're having mm-hmm. trouble like coming back to to normal or to yep. some place of balance and like mm-hmm. you said, it can be difficult to to motivate yourself to be like, okay, I'm gonna be still and focus my mind on the breath yeah. and it's like feels impossible to even exactly. like focus on anything right oh, you're yeah. just like i'm so tired i don't want to focus on anything <laughs> yeah. yeah but then yeah. like maybe like you say you know going for a walk or a jog or doing mm-hmm. something that's very physical to help kind of release some of that mm-hmm. um energy <laughs> no <laughs> do something that's like oh. healthy a little bit and then oh, yeah. you know yeah. maybe it puts you in a place where you can transition more into like yeah. a you meditation or an mm-hmm. asana or a breath work mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. that's that's more subtle and sometimes it's like the mind can be so um i guess unruly or so mm-hmm. like busy and the stress response can be so heightened um, which then is like decreasing our, our ability sure. to have immunity, sure. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That we have to kind of go with something that's like focusing more on like big, gross movements or actions or something mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. Um, like yeah, I mean, said, it, more physical yeah. to yeah, just I mean, help it, to release and discharge sure. some of yeah. that. And it's finding what works for the person. You know, some, right. pers- some people may say, I need to go out for a run you know and mm-hmm. then it's like the physical foot in front of the other which that yeah. you know methodically yeah. you know mm-hmm. really kind of helps helps release this as well some people it is going into nature to to smell you know the environment you know mm-hmm. it's wonderfully what you know mm-hmm. the sense of smell does to the to the body that also you know, 
helps your immune immune, um, immune response. Right, like but it helps you to relax. Of, yeah, to relax, yeah. yeah. Can't, depending on the smell, you know, memories are brought up and all those yeah. things that are also linked to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is why chanting is, is wonderful. And, mm. and if you notice um, when you hum or when you sing, yeah. you know, this, the action of the sound, you know, resonating and vibrating in your, your vocal cords, which is a diaphragm in itself, mm-hmm. this feeds back this, your, your body, you know, loves feedback, you know, this feeds back into your body that mm-hmm. you're trying to help it relax. You literally like vibrating through the body and this discharges the energy. So even just like singing in your house, singing in the shower, you know, humming yeah. to something, you know, the breathing yeah. practice where you hum, you know, there's those in, in pranayama practices that you know yeah. how many. So yeah. you know, all we of often, these are ways yeah. to, yeah. We it's often beautiful. talk about that relationship to the vagal nerve and the parasympathetic uh-huh. nervous system, yeah. that, that that vibration exactly. is bringing about that, as you said, that link that bridge between the innate mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. adaptive. That's yeah. really beautifully said. I, I hadn't thought Thank of you. it that way before in the immune system. We've been thinking about it in the in the nervous yeah. system, but mm-hmm. the, that's really lovely to think mm-hmm. about it that way. It is, it is. And the immune system, it, it, it doesn't work alone. This right. is what is the beauty <laughs> of this and the beauty of the body and the beauty of yoga. It's, it's not an isolated system mm, and sometimes yeah. especially last year you hear like boost your immune system da, 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 immune system <laughs> and the thing is you can have too much you know you, you mm-hmm. don't want it heightened all the time you know yeah. you, do, you want to more necessarily support it to strengthen mm-hmm. it so that when you come into environmental conditions where you have to respond your body is like primed your body is ready. Yeah. you know it knows mm-hmm. how to respond but this is also very um if you put it against the the breath work and things to do with heart rate variability you know eddie you know is expert wonderful on this you know you you also want to be able to have this variance the body right. doesn't always want to be like slumped and not doing nothing you know <laughs> mm-hmm. you, yeah. otherwise it, it goes the other way you know you so you you want the ability to act react but also bring yourself back into these mm-hmm. states you know so it's this variance this ability to kind of bounce back between the two um as quick of a reaction as is is healthy you know as possible um that that's what you want and yeah, kind building- of that's 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 a state of health, you know. Your yeah, body building can react. that resiliency, right? That yeah, yeah. Ability Resil- to bounce back and yeah, and respond yeah. exactly. Mm. And all of those things are affected by how much sleep you have, by how well you breathe, like a hundred percent how well you breathe. Yeah. Um, you know how you know how much you, you know, literally, as I said, the senses. You know, are you touching? You know, do you have a partner, a family member? You know, can you hug a tree? You know, mm-hmm. any of these things that just feeds back your your senses, so that you you can raise the uh, the levels of communication, you know, within yourself. Um, mm. if that makes sense. I love that connection of like using the senses to really mm-hmm. like feel embodied. Hundred um, percent. It also brings the mind and the attention and that awareness to. Yeah like the present moment, right? Yeah, you can't yeah. be embodied and like really aware mm-hmm. and feeling and sensing mm-hmm. without being connected to the present mm-hmm. moment, which means exactly. the mind isn't like exactly. speeding into the future or mm-hmm. planning or, you know, mm-hmm. it changes 
we often talk about like the brain waves too, right? It mm-hmm. brings you back oh, yeah. into that mm-hmm. more alpha wave, more contemplative, mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. Um, just sort of that awareness, that yeah. observation, which again, helps all of these other systems that we're talking 100%, about. 100%. And then I started realizing, well, why do we have Dristis? Mm. I, I was applying this the scientific way of questioning to yoga and thinking, why do we have a drishti then? And then yeah. realizing that if you, and I think there's you know this fantastic book by uh, Donna Fari, the yeah. Um, oh, yeah. and oh, I think it was dancing the body of light that one. Yeah, something. Yeah, uh, I can't remember the exact name of the book, but I think she was talking about drishti, and then I was also reading this in another book on. Um, polyvagal theory or something like mm-hmm. this. And even the way that you you look in uteristy, you know, mm-hmm. is is so important. And if you think of this in the sense of if you look, I, uh, I say, or Donna said, if you look with love, you know, if you mm-hmm. kind of soften your eyes, you know, mm-hmm. what does this relay back into your body as right. opposed to kind of have a piercing gaze? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. if, you, if you think about it, like if you're having – um, I think this is the work from another Dana. I can't remember her surname, but it's like when you have a, you're having a communication with somebody and you're having a conversation, and if they're kind of looking at you like harshly, yeah. you, you you go on a bit like what a little defensive. Yeah. <laughs> you, you totally go defensive, and then you yeah. kind of freeze. Your body is like tight. You, mm. you you kind of think like you know you get ready to kind of pounce. Yeah. Whereas if somebody is able to to balance and look at you and look away and give you pause to think and you know you know build your response chat again that's what your body likes you know it likes mm-hmm. this ability to kind of come in and out and have a balanced and mm-hmm. equal kind of interactive conversation so of course you, if you approach your drishti in, in a similar way you know you, you're feedbacking again your your sight your sense um, mm-hmm. of size is, is literally like going back in into the body and, and able to affect it on those those all, you know, autonomic responses mm-hmm. yeah that, 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 those are my theories you know, in, it's it's, <laughs> it's interesting how many um how many parallels there are between oh, what, what we're seeing in science but also what we were seeing in say patanjali or mm-hmm. in the bhagavad gita mm-hmm. uh, what you just said now um uh, reminded me of of you know the story of Krishna and how Krishna's very soft, gentle nature mm-hmm. softened even the rocks and streams around mm-hmm. him. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> something you said earlier reminded me of of Patanjali of as far as you know uh, his understanding of the environment's effect on our um, our sense of self, mm-hmm. uh, our our ability to stay centered. You know, mm-hmm. if you know, if you fill your environment with a lot of toxic things, and mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. you're going to have a very toxic response. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a quote here that I have from you that I I, I wanted to read, mm-hmm. and uh, I just wanted to kind of go through it and yeah. and ask your and ask what your thinking is, mm. and because it's there's something really lovely that you're doing, which is where you're. Um, you're researching immunology, but you're also researching ancient texts at the same time. And I, I wanted to ask about that. So this is this is the quote. As a yoga teacher and educator of science, specifically on immunity, Elizabeth Roll is in translating the language of science and yoga to enable her students to learn how to listen, communicate, and respond 
to what their bodies are telling them through learning and gaining respect for the incredible capacity and ability of the human body, we return to the roots of yoga as a means toward uh, attaining health. And, and so I'm, I'm interested that as an immunologist, you're looking at the roots of, of yoga and roots and the roots of ancient, of these ancient texts. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what your thinking is uh, and on mm-hmm. that. Well, um, when I was finishing my PhD and uh, I had, two of my thesis committee um, advisors asked me, what was I going to do afterwards? Would you go back to England? Would you do a postdoc? And maybe this is kind of burned in my brain, but I said to them, I'm, I'm actually going to go and, and, and teach yoga. And <laughs> they looked at me, it literally is like, I had gone to the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> I had left science. I had left anything yeah. that was kind of, respected or had a tradition or had you know i'm gonna go help people's immune systems (laughs) that's what i'm gonna go do yeah probably what i should have said at the time yeah and so yeah i started teaching and i was doing these things but and then it was in the last probably just the last year or so that i i started really as i said questioning yoga and and reading um you know text and 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 these are, are some of the texts from um as I said, Krishnamacharya, the notes also that are in some of the books um, by his students mm-hmm. about how he would approach his um, his students when he was teaching. Um, and even kind of, you know, some things that you said also with the, the Bhagavad Gita and the, um, I forget the name of the, um, not the Patanjali Sutras, but... Um, Yoga Kurunta? No. Atta Pradipika? Yeah, this one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Reading. Mm-hmm. And then I... I again was just kind of questioning these texts and, and and thinking, well, if yoga is rooted in, in apparently a traditional science in itself, mm-hmm. you know, what were these people putting together? How did they put together this sequence for it to kind of be this sense of attaining health? And and if you remember, you know, people would seek out yoga teachers for medical conditions or, mm-hmm. or med- medical ailments. Mm-hmm. And um, jungle doctors, yeah, exactly. Mm. These types of things. Mm. Um, and so I, I think I maybe for my own thing was trying to kind of draw the two back together and, mm. and bring a little bit in the sense that you have you know medical science, you have incredible doctors that we seek for also advice and, and support when we're ill, but also what is how can we ourselves become responsible for our own state of health, for our own state of being? Um, and this was something that I think hopefully over the situation last year, people have started to try to gain a bit more awareness of themselves and awareness of um, how they can become responsible for taking care of their own health um, and not just kind of putting it in the hands of somebody else. Mm. And this is where I think yoga is, is, is like 100% that. You know, it's you doing your practice. It's you being there. It's you trying to draw this... Uh, whatever it, kind of the juice of the practice is out of it, and so I'm, you know, I'm still you know, at the beginning of this, but trying to kind of get from these these texts 
uh, or just question a little bit, you know, behind some of the texts. And Eddie's been really great with with listening to my many questions of is what he thinks is going on. You've been uh, Eddie Stern. You've been speaking yeah, to Eddie Stern. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've mm. been questioning him a little bit because you know a lot of these people are no longer alive, and and just trying to say like, is this why they thought that worked? Is that why they put that asana there? Is mm-hmm. is this why mm. that was there? Because of this means you have a greater lung capacity, and 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 kind of go from it in a way that you're approaching it from science, from what physically it might be helping um, within the body. But then also, yeah, just, just draw the two back together because I think at the end of the day, we're all trying to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think we're all trying to feel well, um, you know, live well, do well, um, and just kind of, yeah, bring it a little bit more down to... to to that simple place, but have it in the sense of it being a bit more, the word isn't respected, but in the sense that scientists understand that there is a science behind yoga in it. Mm-hmm. And it, the, why would so many people do it if it really wasn't working? Um, and also it's been drawn upon so much in the last few years as a, as a means to support those you know, with, with breathing conditions, definitely mm-hmm. through COVID. Um, this is being backed more and more by science um, and, and just hopefully play a little part in that and, and, and use yeah. the knowledge I have to, to draw my, my two worlds together um, because yeah. I think I'm not alone in, in that hope. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I would argue that um, yoga didn't do itself any favors, not that it was its own fault. I mean, yoga is its own experience. But mm. when the Madame Blavatsky and the Theosophists um, these sort of 19th century mystics mm. took yoga and be- turned it into a kind of um, charlatan magic show. Mm. And a lot of people were using magic shows as a way to um, fool audiences when actually they were just using um, science, um, engineering props, you know, to to mm. make a big show and people you know, who are ignorant and not aware of engineering and science in the 19th century is like, wow, that's a, that's a magnificent mm-hmm. magic show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think yoga gets really, uh, unfortunately drawn into, uh, this, uh, prejudice that it's a pseudoscience mm. because of that longstanding relationship to, okay. to mystics. When I mm. think, mm. um, if it had always been, you know, a sign, part of the scientific inquiry, then it had been established as canon, as a, as mm-hmm. treatment for stress mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. immunology and, and yeah. disease all along. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think, um, you know, Swami Kuvalyananda of the Kuvalyadam Institute, have you looked at any of their texts and research? Because he was one of the first, I would say, sort of like yoga yeah. Great yoga pioneers in the mm-hmm. realm of science and mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. bridge that gap and unite mm-hmm. the two, it, you know. It, was he the one who went to Harvard? I think there he did one. not go over to Harvard, okay. but he started the Kavalyadam Institute in Lonavala, and there's a center in, in Mumbai as well. And mm. it's um they studied the Kriyas, um, mm. like the Shat Kriyas oh, from the Hatha Pradipika. Yeah. They've mm. studied 
all of the traditional pranayamas from the Hatha Pradipika. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole and lineage there. That they applied the scientific method to. Yes, where they would have like a, a group of a control group and then a yeah. study group. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and they have a bunch of different research journals. You might find their research Great. Yes, uh, interesting. Yeah. But yeah. he would like they would do Nolly and like take x-rays of themselves like back in like the early 1900s when like Incredible. x-ray machines were not that great <laughs> um, and do different things like, you know, hooking people Amazing. up to EKG machines okay. yeah. and yeah. like blood pressure mm-hmm. machines and mm-hmm. and really trying to understand scientifically mm-hmm. why yoga worked mm-hmm. and what was yeah. happening to make it. Yeah work yeah. like yeah. physiologically the mm-hmm. effects it was having mm-hmm. in the body mm-hmm. and that's why i think like in some of the research papers they can say you know we're researching yoga but underneath that is is meditation is chanting is breathing is sometimes asana um <laughs> but so it, it's kind of there's ancient ones that uh, encompass that to do with meditation and those types of techniques and yeah, stress response, yeah. definitely with breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, but also kind of now bringing this into the deeper level of, you know, what's going on in your immune system at this point. Uh, yeah, amazing. I think, yeah. Yeah. It's in the early days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, and, and now they, um, scientifically the, what we have to measure these things is so yes. much more than like in the early 1900s, oh, right? They had very true. limited yeah. technology yeah. to yeah. actually yeah. measure 100%. things. 100%. Yeah. And also yeah. the understanding in a little bit, the, um, um, yeah, the idea that, that, as I said, nothing works in isolation. You know, and if you think of, mm-hmm. um, you know, your aorta, which is the biggest vessel you have through your uh, blood vessel through the body, you know, it actually passes um, through your diaphragm. So even kind of the how Whoa. you breathe and, and you know, the the, the, move, the movement of your diaphragm itself is essentially kind of uh, massaging your aorta. So this Goodness. then, you know, yeah, so this then takes, you know, affects uh, your, your blood pressure, affects, you know, your ability, you know, your heart rate, all of this. Um, and all of this then just, as I said, feedbacks, works back onto the immune system, enables it to respond, enables it to come down if necessary. And your immunity is never a fixed thing, neither. You know, it's, it's not something that's ever going to be, you know, one hour the same as the next or from one day to the next because you're you're always exposed you're always you know modifying your body to the environment that you're in it can change also if you live in different countries for an, a number of years because of the environmental pollutions etc right. so it, it's 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 ever changing meaning that it's you know it's it's incredible but it's also you know it's it's a big thing to try to 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 understand it as well um so it, it's helpful to then understand, you know, a lot of it, a lot of things play the, play a role to do with immunity, to do with the immune system. Well, you said that you were going to explain COVID to us. Is that what you said? Before? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, all no, right. No. Well, I, I just want to thank you so much. You're like, that's a different science. <laughs> totally. And I would not be like, you know, yeah. I'm not the one to ask that. If friends and family, you know, want to. You know, I ask a few things. I give I give a little bit of my my thoughts, but yeah, as a scientist, you know, look to um, reputable sources. You know, virologists. Ask, yeah, exactly. Yeah, astrologists, yeah. Doctors, you know. yeah, guys like Doctor. Seek advice if you're yeah. has a has a degree in this. Um, well, what? So at the bottom line, 
is that the yoga practice can really only help our immune system. Is yeah. that what you would come to? <laughs> but I would argue it's also a stress on our immune system as well. Uh, what I would say is, so so one um, paper, and I, I don't, sorry, I remember who it, it was it was by, showed that, you know, as I said before, you have this, you know, th- there's a there's kind of a fine line between your immune system. You want it to respond, you don't want it to respond too much, and you want it to be able to kind of dampen itself down. So what was found in this study with controls and, and, and a group who were doing yoga over so many weeks, um, they found that then those who did yoga, when they then went back into a stressful situation, their immune system was able to respond faster than the control group. Mm-hmm. But what happened was the control, control group then couldn't uh, signal their anti-inflammatory response to work fast enough. So they mm-hmm. stayed at a, in a stressful state, whereas at the end of the stressful condition, this group that had done yoga could you know, bring themselves back down to this um, balanced balance state mm-hmm. so that's probably one of the the simplest ways of saying that yeah the, there are studies now that are that are showing this um mm-hmm. but again it's the control groups and and the people who are in the studies have to be matched so so well because you can have so many underlining conditions that can affect all of this um but there's so much that can be done with this it's 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 wonderful you know there's so much that can be learned and and one thing that I think you you said in the quote, Russell, that maybe I didn't say is, you know, through through my years of, of doing biomedical science and then the PhD, I'm always just amazed at how the body works. You know, people often attribute, I don't know, you know, a drug to being fantastic, but actually it's the body that has the pathway to respond to the drug. That's the mm. best thing. You know? mm-hmm. So in all of the learning about what your body can do, this is what I think just gives you, as you said, how many this embodied sense of empowerment, you know, you can do this, you know, health is, you know, available to you. Um, of course, there are illnesses and those types of things, but, you know, trying to understand how your body works, a little bit of translating the science of how your body works, hopefully puts you more in touch with yourself than you want to to feel good, you want to live well, um, and that in itself is is hard because some people don't know how that feels, and, yeah. and absolutely that can feel differently to to everyone, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but there's this equal sense of science and being a human being, which is you know equal in us all, um, and it's just trying to to. It's not even teaching people because they have that ability. You, you, your body has that ability. It's a little bit kind of like you just want to give it back to them and say, you know, hold this in your hand again. You know, <laughs> you, you have this within yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just offering them, them that way of learning it in the hope that they'll then feel you know, more connected, uh, more unified with who they are. And, mm-hmm. and that's yoga. That for me is yoga. And yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I love mm-hmm. that. well thank you so much for coming on the show i'm i'm inspired now to get a virologist on the show (laughs) or or an endocrinologist maybe yeah really nice endocrinology is incredibly fascinating but i'm inspired to go practice some yoga so my immune system like (laughs) i'm just gonna play with my puppy (laughs) (laughs) you're helping your immune system by doing that you know that's right this is what is wonderful this is what is wonderful yeah. No, thank you so much for for having me on and, and for 
Oh, that was so interesting. Yeah. Can can people study with you personally? Is that where where can they do that? Where can people find uh, you? Practice, yeah. So, yeah. so at the moment, I teach my classes online because I'm I'm here in the UK. Um, so you can find me on my Instagram, Elizabeth Ann Ball. Um, mm-hmm. My website's also elizabethannball.com. And I do teach some classes in person when I'm when I'm in Lisbon. Uh, I have various private students and I teach a couple of evenings a week in a studio as well in Lisbon. So yeah, reach out Fantastic. and let me know. Perfect, please. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You. And wishing you a wonderful Happy New Year as well. Year as well. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You too. Very healthy you. and happy 2022. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Yay. Big love. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in